You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. All right. Good morning. Sun is shining. The Dodgers won. It's a good morning, right? Come on now. Now, it is great to uh, to be together. Uh, my name is Justin Shump. I help serve here in the West Side Church. I work with the college ministry, specifically at UCLA and SMC, uh, and I also work with our youth ministry, our high school and junior high ministry. So the rest of our staff is out of town. Uh, Steve and Carrie are in Spain, and uh, Val and Kenny are up in the Pacific Northwest. So they left me in charge. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I would have done that. So I don't know what time it is in Spain, but I could say something crazy and Steve wouldn't know for like four hours. So we'll see how this goes. But uh, we've been doing this series for the past uh, two months almost called Built on Trust. And today is going to be the final lesson in that series. And so we're going to kind of do a recap. We're going to kind of put a bow on it. We're going to wrap everything up uh, and hopefully kind of land uh, with the lesson today. So it's going to be a little bit shorter, but we're going to kind of, again, wrap everything up and then also have some, some good discussions with one another as we love to do. You know, we were focusing on this idea of trust, and we were kind of wrestling for a while on, on what our next series should be, uh, and we came up with this idea of trust. And the reason why is because we were examining different things that we had kind of lost. You know, this, this global pandemic has taken a lot of things away from us. It's taken away our normalcy, at times our freedoms. You know, maybe for some, it's taken away people. Maybe you've lost some loved ones. You know, it's really affected almost every single church community, I would say, in the world. You know, our ability to meet together was taken away. For so long, we couldn't be with one another. We couldn't see each other's smiles and give hugs and experience communion. It was taken away. And it was hard. You know, we're grateful. We're, we're here and, and, and we're back together. We're back in person and, and we can have that communion. But what we realized as although we were back in person, we were all a little bit different. And one thing that got taken away from a lot of us was our trust. We lost trust in one another. We lost trust in institutions. We lost trust in our government. Now, you might have not had a lot of trust there anyway, but... Maybe the little bit that was left, you felt like, man, this is just gone. It's hard when you lose trust. You know, we lost trust in the church. A lot of people have lost trust in the church. It's been very easy to be critical. You know, people have even lost trust in themselves. You know, many people, old and young, during the past two years have began to kind of deconstruct their faith, have been kind of looking at what is their faith built on. 
And a lot of us have asked ourselves different questions. Why do I believe the things that I believe? Can I trust the foundation of my faith? Can I trust my own thoughts? Why do I think the way I think? Can I trust my own actions? Why do I do the things that I do? Now, you've probably asked yourself at least one of those questions during this time. And ultimately, it's the question of why. Why do we do the things that we do? Is following Jesus, is it really worth it? Putting our lives, putting our trust in him, is it really worth it? Being a part of a church, doing the Sunday routine, coming here, doing the midweek, doing the Friday, is it really worth it? I ask myself that a lot. And so as we've kind of pondered these questions over the past year, it's taken us all back to a place where we kind of re-examined our foundations. We kind of took away the hype, and we looked at what's really going on inside. And so we figured that if we've kind of stripped things away and we're back to our foundation, that we want to make sure that that new foundation, this whatever we build is new, is built on trust. We felt like, man, that's a pretty good place to start. If we're going to rebuild our faith, if we're going to rebuild our relationships, if we're going to rebuild our church, then let's do it on trust. And so we spent the last two months talking about this idea of trust. And, and all of the sermons have come from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And each sermon has tried to be kind of just a, a short word or a short phrase, something very applicable. And something that related to something else that Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. And so I'm going to do a little demonstration. Is that okay? I'm going to move. We're moving. I'm going to use a little game maybe you some have played. Now, for copyright issues, I can't say the name of this game. But hopefully you guys know the game. You guys notice I'm going to block out. So you, we can't, you, you've seen one of these before? Nobody say it because it's on YouTube, so we've got to be careful, right? But we've got a little wooden block, and people use this, and they play a game with it, right? I got it right here. Look. We've got the game, okay? We, know, we all know the name. We're not going to say it. Scott Horton said I can't say it. I don't want the church getting sued when Steve's not here. All right. So we've got this little wooden block game. You know, it's fun. And so what we've kind of attempted to do over the past two months is kind of, again, build the foundation on faith. So we talked about how you've got to be able to talk straight. How in our relationships, we've got to be real with one another. We've got to be honest. We want to build on trust. Talking straight builds trust. We talked about entrustment, how Jesus entrusted his disciples, how we should go and entrust others. We should believe in people. We should see the best in people. We talked about demonstrating respect, being kind, being loving, trying to understand where people are coming from. We talked about listening first, about not judging, but trying to see 
the best in people. We talked about faith, how we want to have deep faith, want to be rooted in God, that we can trust God. I lost a piece. I don't know where it went, but finishing off with two. We talked about getting better. That was last week. How we got to always be continuing to get better. And so we've kind of been building this new foundation, right? This new foundation of our faith built on trust. Pray there's no wind. Uh Uh-oh. There we go. So we've kind of built this little tower, this fun little game. And we've built it on trust. So what I want to do now is I want to go to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. This is actually what we started with. The first lesson was on this passage. We're going to revisit it, and we're going to kind of use it as a way to wrap up this past series. Okay, so you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be in verse 24. I'll give you a second to turn there. So Jesus has preached his Sermon on the Mount. He said some incredible things. He's laid a new standard of what it means to be a follower of him. In a way, he kind of reinvented the Ten Commandments. The Sermon on the Mount is kind of like the Ten Commandments for Jesus' ministry. It's the foundation. It's the rock of what he was going to build on. And so in Matthew 7, verse 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. It was a very simple, very intense passage. Jesus says, look, if we trust him, if we make his words the foundation of our lives, then when tough times come and the storms hit and the wind blows, that we will stand but he also says the opposite he says if we build our lives on anything else our own ideas we put hope in things that are not him then when the hard times come and the storms hit and the winds rage things will fall apart and they'll fall apart very quickly and often very publicly. You know, you can all probably think of, of some scandal you read, right, at some point. Some politician who had an affair or some leader of a country that was embezzling money. I know there's these Pandora papers just came out. I don't know if you guys heard about this. Of like 60 different world leaders who all have offshore bank accounts or are paying no taxes. and Just, just total scandal. Stuff that kind of riles us up. But you can probably think of your mind of some famous scandal. 
or a time you've seen an institution crumble or a country fall apart or a person fall apart. Now, here's the interesting. Part of us kind of likes it when stuff like that happens, right? Okay, you guys, I'll, I'll admit it. I kind of like when that happens. I don't know about you guys. There's something kind of interesting about it. One, because it makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves. We see someone fall from grace and we're like, okay, I mean, yeah, I would never do that. What an idiot. What an idiot. Number two is, I don't know, again, maybe just me. I think we like seeing things just kind of fall apart. You know, there used to be this show on, on Discovery Channel called Destroyed in Seconds. Anyone ever seen that show? Wow, am I the only one that has seen that show? Okay, go on YouTube when you get home, type in Destroyed in Seconds, because this was like my favorite show growing up. It pretty much was a compilation of just things getting destroyed, okay? So it's kind of like America's Funniest Home Videos, but instead of someone like flying off a swing set, it's like a gas station just exploding. It's just, it's, it's epic, it's crazy. And so like it's videos of like, Buildings falling and planes crashing and, and houses getting swept away in flash floods. I don't know how they were allowed to put this stuff on TV, but it was just, it was crazy. And so as a 13-year-old, I remember watching this show, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is just, this is insane. Now, most of the time, almost all the time, everyone was always safe, right? Like the jets collide, but then they eject, and everyone's okay. And, but it was just crazy to see these things happen. You know, something inside of us, kind of like seeing things fall apart. We like scandals. We like controversy. It's exciting. It's why we watch the news. We read magazines. It's, it's so easy to indulge in that. Now, you know what's maybe not as exciting? Building trust. I mean, come on, let's be real. It doesn't sound that exciting, does it? Does that rile you up? Are there going to be a news story about that? Is that going to be a headline? Church is working on building trust. No, it'd be a church scandal. That's what's making the headline. We love scandals. You know, building trust is not very sexy. It's just not. It's hard to market. It can feel kind of boring. Why? Because it takes a lot of time. And as humans, we're not very patient. We don't like when things take a long time. We like when things are destroyed in seconds. Again, I don't know about you, but I would much rather watch like a 10-second video of some building they're demolishing than a 10-minute time lapse of them building it. Building falling is way more exciting. And so to build trust, it takes time it takes effort. It's a process. And it's a process that we've been embracing. It's why we've done this sermon series for the last two months. Because although it's fun to watch buildings fall, it's not fun when it's your house. It's not fun when it's your family that has a scandal. It's not fun when it's your church that is wrestling with some deep issues. It's not fun when we choose to not put our, our lives in Jesus's words and our life crumbles. That's not fun. 
And so as we've looked at the Sermon on the Mount, on, on learning to be a trustful person, all these different kind of ideas and practicals we've set forward, I believe if you lived according to the Sermon on the Mount, if you perfectly implemented all of Jesus' teachings, then you would be a trustworthy person. If you talked straight, if you were honest, if you always kept it real, you weren't fake, you didn't indulge in puffery, you would be trustworthy. If you embraced entrustment, if you trusted others, if you invested in people like Jesus invested in, you would be trustworthy. If you demonstrated respect, if you were kind and you were patient and you were selfless and you served others, then people would trust you. If you were full of faith, if you listened first, if you embraced all of these things, if you were non-judgmental, then you would be a trustworthy person. If we as a church perfectly implemented all of these things, all of these practicals, then we would be a trustworthy church. And so what we've done over the past two months is we've given you kind of this, 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 this good idea, this blueprint of what it means to be a trustworthy person, of what it means to be a trustworthy church. But there's one big problem with all of this. One major flaw. And that's that none of us are perfect. None of us will be able to perfectly implement the practicals we've set forward. Which means that we're not going to be perfect at being trustworthy. So what then? What happens when we're not trustworthy? What happens when we fall short? Gotta find a good one. There's a good one. We fall short. What then? What happens when we don't talk straight? And we're not honest and we're not real. What then? When we don't embrace entrustment, we don't trust people. What then? When we don't demonstrate respect, when we're not very kind, we're rude, we're quick to criticize. What then? When we don't listen first and we judge others. We don't give them the benefit of the doubt. What then? When we lack faith. It's getting a little crazy here. Ooh. Ooh. What then? What about when there's a scandal? When things really get riled up? There's controversy. 
what then? Or something happens in the world and we feel like the church does not respond perfectly. What then? And we have to start all over. And our trust in people and our trust in the church crumble. What do we do? What's the right decision? What's the right path forward? Do we just start all over? Do we try and pick up the pieces? Do we completely rebuild just to see it torn down once more? What do we do? Just just an endless cycle of building trust, then losing it, and giving trust, then losing it, and people hurting us, and the church hurting us, and the world hurting us? Because I don't know about you, that is exhausting. That feels like a broken process. And so, is it even possible to experience real trust? Now, I would say yes. I would say it is. I think it is possible to experience real trust. And I know everything I just said and did maybe feel a little bit negative. You're like, gosh, where is this going? Why is this ending off the really encouraging, awesome faith-building series we had? Give me like two more minutes. Hopefully we'll come for a landing. Or this might be the last time Steve ever lets me speak. You know, I think that in order to really embrace trust, in order to really be a trustworthy person, in order to really be a trustworthy church, you need all these other things we've talked about. But there's one key ingredient. And without that key ingredient, it does not work. And that is grace. Trust needs grace. Until any of us figure out how to be perfect people, until we figure out the perfect structure, the perfect path forward, the perfect way to build a church and build community and make every single person feel like their voice is heard, make every single person feel welcomed, make every single person feel loved, until we figure out how to do that perfectly, we need grace. It's the only way to build trust. And here's why I believe so. If you truly trust that God has forgiven you, if you truly trust that, then you will experience grace. And you will be able to replicate that grace and help others experience it. Because it's so easy to be critical, right? It's so easy to be critical of people who are involved in scandals, involved in controversy. 
But if I truly believe that God has given me grace, and I know the things that I've done, I know the sins I've committed, not only the things I've committed, but the things I've thought about doing. And that God has forgiven me for my evil thoughts and the, the, the disgusted, twisted things that I have thought about doing. Then I can look at someone else and say, look, I'm no better than that person. I'm no better. And if I'm no better, then I can extend grace because God has extended me grace and therefore I can extend trust. Because true trust is given not when it's proven. It's not a wage. It's not earned. True trust is a gift. Are you willing to trust someone who has hurt you in the past? Now, that's really hard. But are you willing to give grace? Real trust is loving someone even though you know they are flawed. Because if you only extend trust to someone who is perfect, who has always upheld it, you will never extend it. Real trust is being devoted to the church even though you know it's flawed. And we all know that. No one's pretending like this place is perfect. That is real trust. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. For those who maybe can't see, I screwed two two by fours together and wrote grace on it. I don't know. That right there is a solid foundation. That's what we're trying to build. We're not trying to build on these little kind of pieces that we put together. Now, those things are good. Don't get me wrong. But go ahead, knock that over and see what happens. It's not falling apart. Throw it out to school. It's not falling apart. I put four screws in it and a little bit of wood glue. Grace is a solid foundation. If we want to implement all of these amazing practicals, and they have been amazing, we've heard some awesome sermons, it has to start with grace. Realizing 
that in our sin, while we were still sinners, dead in our transgressions, God chose to trust you. When your life was full of scandal, God chose to trust you. And all he's asking is that you replicate something you've already experienced. You don't have to come up with the answers on your own. You just got to dig deep and ask yourself, do you really trust the grace that has been given? And are you willing to replicate that? Are you willing to trust others? What we're going to do now is we're going to transition into our communion portion of our service. And what we like to do is we like to have a a communion discussion. So if it's your first time being with us, what we like to do is I'm going to pose two questions, as you can already see up there, and go ahead and get with maybe three or four people around you uh, and and answer these questions. We'll take about five minutes. The first question, how have you been shown grace in your life? And how can you better show grace to others? So we'll take about five minutes. You guys can group up, and then we'll come back and pray for the communion. Thank you, guys. All right. We are going to bring it back if you want to finish up your discussions. I'm going to go ahead and say a prayer for the communion, and then we will... Take the communion together. God, you know, we're so grateful to be together as a family. We're so grateful that we can commune with one another and also commune with you. God, thank you for the grace you have shown us. While we were still sinners in our scandal and our controversy, while we were not trustworthy, you chose to extend trust. God, we're so grateful for the example of your son, how powerful that example truly is. God, we pray as we continue to redefine the foundations of our faith, that it would be rooted in your son's words. That when the storms come, the winds blow, We would stand firm knowing that you love us, that you believe in us, and you trust us. God, thank you for this amazing church family. For all the love, all the connections, all the stories, all the friendships. We're so grateful for all of it. God, I pray as we take the juice and we take the bread, we would remember the ultimate sacrifice the greatest story of grace ever written. Thank you for everything that goes into these services. So grateful for our setup team, our band, everyone who helps us get to this moment where our hearts are soft and we're ready to connect with you. We love you a lot. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. 
For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.